You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Leave us an honest five-star review. (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, that's so unexpected. You ever notice how podcasts Mm -hmm. tend to do the business side of things at the end? Yeah, that's true. Get to the content, all the business stuff at the end. Yeah. I skip all that if I'm listening to a podcast. Truly. When I get to the end and I know, oh, here's the spiel. We're done. I skip it. In fact, a lot of my outros are programmed to end early. Yeah, exactly. So you know what? I just threw the business end in right there. If you like this, leave us an honest five-star review. (laughs) I'm Josiah and that's Ethan. That's us. Mention us by name in your review. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, we'll read it on the podcast. Not a promise. But I, I do hear that sometimes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we'll read it. I'm like, that's intimidating. Yeah, it is intimidating. It's like, I don't And I think... feel like, you know, depending on how that goes, that sometimes I'm like, that's just, that could go bad. Oh, yeah. Either way. Like, if you're reading your own praise yeah. or mm. if it's, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, we will. Maybe we won't. Who knows? The, uh, never say never. Yeah, never say never. That's right. That's right, Ethan. You know what I've been thinking about? What? I find it interesting when I start seeing licensed products show up in other licensed products <laughs> as a trend. Let me like explain. licensed product inception. Yeah. Like when there's obviously a piece of licensed music, that one song that you know costs some serious money to use starts showing up in multiple places all of a sudden. Mm. Like I start thinking, do the, let me preface, I don't know how this works. Do like the rights owners of the song decide we could use some money and they start licensing it out and mass because this has happened recently with song holding out for a hero the absolute classic you would know it if you heard it okay you would definitely know if you heard it and it's recently started showing up at things like trailers and stuff like that or advertisements i'm like who needed the extra spending money (laughs) because like suddenly it's everywhere Uh, and that's happened a few times but i just i find it so interesting when you start seeing like licensed music or licensed properties suddenly showing up in a lot of places Mm. it's like suddenly everyone got a branding deal with star wars And all of their products are Star Wars. I'm like, I'm happy as a consumer, but it's interesting that so many people secured brand deals. That is an interesting observation. That's all I have for it. That's it. <laughs> Great song. Kill your situation. I can't think of, like, is there a line in the song that would tip me off to what that, that is? I can't. I don't want to. Google I, it. I would be Google embarrassed if I just sat here and said the chorus. <laughs> I would feel uncomfortable. Um, I'll Google it later. Yeah, that's, that's for the best. Absolute hero. Holding. No. No. no absolutely no. not. <laughs> <laughs> absolute classic. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Holding, holding out for a hero. Holding out for a hero. Yeah. Often I will say holding on for a hero, and that's incorrect. It's holding um, out for a hero. I also just love the way the vocalist, who I can't think of, sings it. I just, it's like, wow, you just throwing it all into the moment, and it's, mm. I'm impressed. We throw it all into the moment. Oh, you know it. Right here. We're known for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my thing has nothing to do with noticing branding within branding, unless Deepa Magic is a brand, is oh. a property a licensed mm. property it's not oh I, it's not okay it's not a thing fair it's, enough uh, no i am rereading chronicles of narnia intellectual property there we are there's the bridge <laughs> c.s lewis are they in the public no no how long does that <laughs> no, no. take before something's in the public domain well i don't know how laws work but i'm gonna assume that that will never be yeah that's probably true yeah, like, harper collins gonna be like yeah, no like, we're gonna own the rights to this forever exactly like tolkien's work for instance that's never gonna be public domain but yeah the rights will always be owned by someone sure that's probably fair question mark i don't know how those laws work yeah, either. i doubt in 100 years people are going to be making licensed lord of the ring stuff without Consulting. owing somebody <laughs> something like uh dear great great grandson of J.R.R. token 
I don't know how that works. Anyway, I'm rereading the Chronicles of Narnia. All of which, them? Yes. How many? Twelve? There are seven. 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 Same thing. And they're not that long, actually. No. Like, relatively speaking. I um, remember the first one being not that long. Yeah, exactly. You'd probably read each book in three to four hours. Okay. You know what so I mean? So six to seven hours. That's <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Just translating for me that's, and everyone else who's <laughs> not as good. Or you could listen to them. <laughs> or watch, there are three of them that are movies. They get worse as they go on, but that's neither here nor there. Correct. Point being, because one of them shows up in uh, our forthcoming series here, oh. that actually by the time this episode releases, we will be into. Yeah. So, But I'm rereading the books, which is a completely, I'm discovering, different experience as an adult yeah. compared to reading them. It's a child. In a in a good way? I can't tell by your tone. Yeah, yeah. A good way. Okay. Because as a grown-up, as C.S. Lewis would say it, he mm. references grown-ups regularly in these books. He's like, I can't describe this because the grown-ups wouldn't let you read it. It's so terrible or horrifying or whatever. But as an adult, I found that I'm noticing little things that I probably didn't catch as a kid. Oh, okay. I didn't remember. Because I think generally as an adult, you see things differently and you discover things aren't actually quite as you remembered them. Oh, that's very true. That's, I think, applicable to all of life. Yeah. And especially I'm discovering that with these books. And I think that overall, what has most surprised me as a 28-year-old reading through these books, written primarily for children, mind you, (laughs) that was the audience he had in mind, is how much more I... It sounds funny now that I'm actually saying it out loud. How much I want to believe that Narnia is a real place and how much more I want to believe that even more than I did as an eight-year-old reading them (laughs) for the first time. So I know that sounds silly and I don't don't mean it quite literally. Like, I don't necessarily mean, oh, there's going to be a real... Care Paravel, you know, the castle with the real four thrones. But mm. there's this sense in which I really, well, maybe it is literally, I don't know. Like, I really have this weird hope, like, oh, I want to walk into a wardrobe. Yeah. And come out of the other side into this mystical and enchanted magical realm with fawns and talking animals and kings and queens sitting on thrones in a castle called Care Paravel. Exactly. I want to meet Aslan. I want that to happen. Now, Again, I'm sure that just on the surface of it, that sounds ridiculous because, you know, you're wondering, like, what's a 28-year-old man with a job, wife, and kids doing reading children's fairy tales to himself? You know, I'm not even reading them to my kids. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> Which you could do. You could. It'd be fine, too. Yeah, I could. Now, you know, would they understand? No, like, Anna's not going to... Abby probably wouldn't even be, you oh. know, ready for that yet. But I'm reading it for myself. And so, yeah, like, what's this guy doing? Longing for some fictional realm of magic. You know, especially, I think especially when you think there are big, important, real-life trademark things happening that need to be dealt with so like yeah you know what i mean i mean i see that but at the same time like i also kind of i hate when people dismiss this as like just escapism right because i do think there's like a lot more to it and at least i think i understand what you're saying in a sense and i would even risk saying that it's more of a a universal longing than many people would admit or realize because it's not all that infrequent that i'll become like super engrossed in a film or like a long-running series and afterwards i'll feel this incredibly acute sense of bittersweetness Mm. and it is almost too much (laughs) (laughs) like it's a the pain (laughs) yeah and i think like when you invest a serious amount of time into like an experience or a character or their journey you're in some form taking part in this curated world if it's well written you feel as though you're sharing in the growth of these characters by bearing witness to them Mm, yeah and i think for me it usually hits the hardest classically with something like lord of the rings yeah Um, like they're guess what they're not concerned about mortgages and deadlines (laughs) it's not a thing (laughs) Uh, they're usually not worried about trying to prove themselves vocationally it's not so messy and 
it's almost never mundane. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're on a quest of grand significance and it almost feels in its own way, like a simpler life, yeah, a clearer life. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for the success. And I think there's something about that that's really easy to long for. It's not just, oh, would it be nice to not worry about the boring, mundane inner workings of my life? But instead, it's like how beautiful this is. Yeah. This clear and grand purpose, mm-hmm. but in a way that almost unlocks so much of what your imagination has the capacity for. That you would not naturally come upon on your own. Yes, that is so good. And I think the reason that having this discussion is worthwhile and the reason I even bring all this up is because I think there are actually good answers to this question. Like, why is a 28-year-old reading Chronicles of Narnia? Like, why do we keep spending, you know, like if you sat down and watched all the Lord of the Rings. Several times. Extended editions, That's by the way. The only That's what you way. do. That is many hours. <laughs> many hours <laughs> yeah, that you're spending participating in this story that, yeah. you know, if you look at it from a purely pragmatic level, you're not doing other productive, quote-unquote, a lot of time things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which actually brings to mind, and I think this sets up the discussion well, that when G.K. Chester was writing about pragmatism, which was becoming really popular in the early 1900s. He's like, the first need for someone to be really pragmatic is to stop being a pragmatist. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, if you really want to do that, which I find interesting. Because I'd actually go so far as to say that it's a good thing for Christians, especially, to cultivate these kinds of longings by reading these kinds of books, like mm. Chronicles of Narnia, or watching movies like Lord of the Rings, or just yeah. participating in these kinds of stories, whether it's listening to them, reading them, watching them on Netflix, I mean, whatever have you. And that feeling that we're talking about, you know, that bittersweetness you feel, yeah. that's a good word, bitter sweet because i think there's this like happy sadness you know what i mean it's like this like joyful ache like oh like it feels good but Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel good you know what i mean like it's like what is this the germans have a neat word for that feeling that i think we're kind of reaching to try and describe zinzucht all right zinzucht is that word yeah that's a it's a word that they have because you know that's the neat thing about other languages they have words (laughs) that encompass these whole concepts that we don't have and we really can't translate it very well in English because we don't have a really equivalent word. Right, um, yeah. Bittersweet is not a bad word to use if you have like a whole paragraph behind it describing what you're <laughs> exactly. getting at. You know, you'll see words like yearning and longing, mm-hmm. a certain sense of homesickness attached to a oh, word like yeah. Zenzucht. I actually think C.S. Lewis, speaking of him, Chronicles of Narnia, he got pretty close to the essence of what that German word is describing when he said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Mm. And he was using that in the context of like when you're hungry, right? When your body says, I'm hungry for food, that desire indicates, oh, you can satisfy it by eating, right? There's something you can do to actually satisfy that desire. Right. You have several things like that in life. And uh, there's this zenzucht that we all feel. You you hinted at that saying it's more universal longing than many of us, I think, would acknowledge. Mm-hmm. And what he was saying is that zenzucht is pointing us toward something that this world can't satisfy. And stories... Narnia and Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, whatever have you. Sure. They tap into that, I think. Yeah. And so this is huge for Christians because this world as it currently is, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, racked with sin and evil and wickedness and in its fallen condition, this is not where we're going to be as it is. Like this world as it is, is not our final destination. Right. I can't remember who said this world is not our home 
yet. <laughs> so uh, the scripture talks about Christians as foreigners and exiles and strangers. You have all these words used to describe yeah. our current state, right? That we're pilgrims in this world as it is. And the reason we are counted as foreigners, exiles, and strangers, even if, I think this is really interesting because you got guys like Peter and Paul writing to people who live in like their hometown or in their nation of birth or yeah. whatever have you, right? Like they're technically as at home as, as they, they could possibly be. Exactly. Right? But they still call them foreigners or exiles or strangers because, in the words of the Apostle Peter, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And the sense of that Greek word, which we translate as waiting, it conveyed actually more a sense of like looking forward to or eagerly yearning for the thing awaited. Hmm. So I think, I mean, there's even a sense which you could almost say that that Zenzuk is present there yes, in what Peter's describing. For sure. So in, in other words, the reason that stories like Chronicles of Narnia, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, I think they're one of the reasons, and maybe the deepest, that they so resonate with so many people yeah. is because they are tapping into that Zenzuk. They are pulling back the curtain to show us the world behind the world, so to speak, I think. Yeah, actually, I think that has a lot to do with why I love almost like mythic or imaginative language in faith discussions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of struggle to explain that super clearly because I don't mean like arcane terms that are impossible to understand sure, or unnecessary or even something that is like could be totally good as inventive metaphors. Yeah. Not even any of that, but okay, let me give you a very super simple example that's, you're going to say, Ethan, that's not mythic. <laughs> Just <What? laughs> hold on. <laughs> Um, the notion of kingship. Yeah. And, and I've said that before on this podcast, but like the notion of kingship and our relationship to God, we don't use words like that in our daily life. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. that is out of the pages of something like the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. simply of a history that we're completely out of touch with. Yeah. And what does that then say about the spiritual reality that I do inhabit? Mm -hmm. Like the kind of imagination that that unlocks. Yeah. I think when we experience words like that and we take ownership and acknowledge those words, I think they kind of restore a sense of wonder mm -hmm. where maybe more commonplace or like kitschy sentiment can rob you of that and kind of feel very pedestrian. Mm -hmm. And so when we tap into these things, whether we find it in these like really well-cultivated worlds mm -hmm. or even in the language that we might neglect in our own faith, it's mm -hmm. like it taps into something like that, something similar that sparks some kind of imaginative spirit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is a gift that yeah. I think it deepens like our worship. I think that's like what I want to like really try to get to is like that. There's something about that that really brings home the reality of who God is and the world that he's created. And that to pull language from like the Chronicles of Narnia, there is deeper magic in the world than maybe you can see at first glance. Yeah. And I actually find it interesting that I'm actually in book four right now. Well, that's actually a funny conversation. Like, what order do the Chronicles of Narnia fall in? Like, do you read them in publication order or in chronological order? Whole other discussion for another podcast, perhaps. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but there's actually a scene in Prince Caspian mm -hmm. very early in the book where this is, I think, like a thousand years after the Pevensey children have first gone into Narnia, like after the events of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, yeah. and they've been transported back. And Care Paravel, the castle's in ruins, and and it's like, what in the world happened here? And this group of people from this place called Telmar basically invaded Narnia and conquered and drove out all the fawns and the centaurs, like all the talking animals. Like it just became yeah. this disenchanted world. And the boy, Prince Caspian, who is descended from these Telmarine kings, his nurse is telling stories about old Narnia. 
and how there are these talking animals and there was this lion named Aslan and these kings and queens who yeah. reigned in justice. And he loves these stories. And he's like, wow, like I wish that was real. And he's really little and he's talking to his uncle who's king. And he's like, don't you know these stories? And his uncle's like, don't you dare talk about those stories. Like hey. that it wasn't like that's Boulder Dash. Like that's fairy tales <laughs> for little boys. Like we're going to get you a tutor and you need to never think or speak about those ever again. Oh, that's hmm, touched a nerve, have we? Yeah. And um, I think that's a picture of almost kind of like the disenchanted world that we find ourselves living in, oh, like dude. in a world where, okay, like we live in like a nice world, you know what I mean? Sure. Like they lived in a cultivated nice, but like we are out of touch with even like just like conceptually, like the idea of kings mm. and this sort of like royalty and power and reverence yeah. and awe and splendor. Those are just like, you know, like, oh yeah, like remember the stories of King Arthur? Like, wow, look at that, you know? And we're out of touch with that. And I think there's a sense in which you think about stories like that and people are like, get on with it. Like we're modern people, you know what I mean? Don't don't like, be dealing with that. What influence could that possibly have? Yeah. Our and in fact, I think some people think that could be subversive depending on how you, mm. you know, come at it. Kind of like the Telmarine King with yeah. Boy Prince Caspian. Like if you go on telling and believing stories like that, you know, you're going to screw up everything that we've, <laughs> we've got going here. And so I think to paraphrase the author of Hebrews, insofar as these stories awaken a desire in us for that better country and the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Mm. I even think like that language in yeah. Hebrews really like, exactly. like there's like a, there's a better country those stories serve us by keeping us grounded in reality actually like i think you know the point hmm. you mentioned the word escapism people yeah. are like that's just escapism i would actually flip that and say no that grounds you if you take the story the right way in reality more deeply and much better i think even than like necessarily watching the news or something <laughs> Because you know how you know how that goes. I think most things would keep you more grounded. Yeah, yeah. Because what I mean by that is, I mean the reality of the new creation, like mm. where we're ultimately headed. Yeah, a place where, for all we know, we will be able to like run with the horses. There's a scene famously in the last battle, the last Narnia book, where mm. the humans run with the horses huh. and run with Aslan. They're able to do that without yeah. being worn out. So for all we know, we're going to inhabit a place like that or where we can talk with animals the way that we talk with one another. Hmm. Just as like an aside note. And so you don't think that's ridiculous. Like Josiah, we're getting that like a donkey and a snake talk to people <laughs> in scripture. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when the snake, for instance, talked to Eve, she wasn't it was like, not yeah, she wasn't like, oh, wow, the <laughs> snake is talking to me. That's so weird. Uh. You know, like a place where we'll be able to build new and beautiful beautiful cities and explore deep green valleys, high heathery mountains, like do all these things. And there's a sense in which we've been doing all these things anyway. Like we try to. Yeah. It's like a shadow of what it could be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like there's a sense in which, you know, again, I'm going to sound silly. I know this, but like when I look at my dog, Mm. Mowgli, there's a sense in which I can communicate. Like I can tell him to sit and he'll sit. Yeah. There's like this sense in which it's like when he looks at me, I feel like he wants to tell me something. You know what I mean? Like there's a sense in which it's like, we should be able to do this. And we can't for some reason, because there's this curse, you know, there's a curse on the land. Literally, there's a curse in the world. We do live in an enchanted world, so to speak. And uh, there is a king coming who's going to lift that curse. And in a sense, he has already begun to do that. Anyway, I digress because we know that like, let's take even all that speculation out of it. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that can spark your imagination other ways. But we do know that we are heading to a place where we will judge the angels. Yeah. And where we're, what? yeah, like, and where we are going to see the lion of the tribe of Judah face to face, like where we will have that moment, I think, where, and this is Zenzuk. I mean, it's that desire where, 
you think about like the best conception of a king, I think there's a desire like, I want to bow down before a king like that and know that he's like good and that he's going to reign justly and that he's going to wield his power to like do things that I can imagine, but I couldn't possibly do. The things that we can't quite trust another human fully with. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, like we, how many times have we been disappointed? Oh, what would it be like to never be disappointed? Yeah. And to know that there's a day coming where we'll do that, not just us, but like angels and archangels and cherubim and seraphim and all these other creatures that like we couldn't. And I mean, you know, like the bears and the lions and the goats and the sheep and like everything in creation, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? We'll have this moment where it bows down before the king and then he sets the world free and let's enjoy this together, you know, forever. Like that is awesome. Awesome. And I think that desire is what God will use to strengthen us for difficult days, you know, to guard us hmm. from despair when things don't go as they ought. Yeah. And to keep us from falling in love with this present world as it is in Forsaken Christ. It's really strange because I don't think about it as often as I feel like I should. Or even like in moments like this, like that really energizes me mm-hmm. to think about that world, yeah. that coming world. And if we could more often, I think, get back to that place. And my point in saying all this is, again, those stories, Narnia, Lord of the Rings, service, like, I think they bring us back to that they can that imagination that is willing to look forward and say yeah even if things are bad now and maybe it looks like they're not getting any better though i believe otherwise that it is going to get better yeah, it is for and sure. these longings that we feel that we just cannot find satisfaction for in presidents or princes or in the things that we make or build those desires are going to be met and the result is not going to be like oh wow like because you know how sometimes you like you work so hard for something you're like well that was a letdown exactly. you know what i mean of course like you're not going to have that it's going to be just a fullness of joy and better than we imagined and i think those stories pull us into that mm-hmm. they can pull us into that in a healthy and enlivening way so i would say uh you know pick up a copy of narnia or lord of the rings or pop in uh, the extended editions or you know stream harry potter star yeah. wars do something like that today and allow the zenzukt that yearning allow it to pull you further and further up and further in to use another <laughs> c.s lewis narnia term <laughs> further up and further into uh, the inheritance that awaits mm. i love it yeah me too and if you love this leave us an honest five-star review <laughs> No, we would appreciate it. And, uh, you know, it'd be helpful to get it out to uh, your friends if you find that helpful and encouraging. And yeah. Any questions you have, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. We thank you as always for listening and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.